Amos 1, verses 1-2 The words of Amos, who was among the shepherds of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. And he said, The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds mourn, and the top of Carmel withers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, a nice, long, beefy passage today. Amos 1, 1 through 2, joined by the great, uh, the beloved Greg Conley, <laughs> the man from the Capitol, um, the con man himself. So, Conley, uh, we're here in Amos, and we're about to go straight through uh, this book and our daily rhythm and, you know, this is in tandem with we're doing a little two week mini series um, on mercy and justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're kind of taking a break in our Colossians series on Sundays, doing two weeks in, on mercy and justice. And those two themes are huge in the minor prophets uh, there. And, and it's ironic because I think as we'll find in Amos, in one sense, the minor prophets have some of the stuff that will make us squirm the most in mm-hmm. terms of the language that's used. It, it's very, um, you know, not necessarily what we're comfortable with mm-hmm. in sort of the American church. But in the same breath, the themes of the new, to- or sorry, of the minor prophets are actually some of the most resonant with the age that we live in. Mm -hmm. Like it's all about neglecting justice. It's all about oppressing the poor. And so all of the wrath that God has stored up for his people is because they're marginalizing people. Uh, You know, they're, they're taking his name and divorcing it from his character. Mm -hmm. And it's actually the sort of stuff that people leave Christianity over. Mm -hmm. And so I, I actually love, you know, sometimes I have these conversations with people who are, deconstructing their faith. And one of the things that is a big stumbling block for them is, you know, seeing pastors who are in it for personal gain or seeing churches or religious people marginalize the oppressed. And, you know, I like to tell them that's actually the most biblical thing that I've heard today. (laughs) Like what you just said Mm -hmm. is actually like a massive chunk of the old Testament. So Amos is is going to be great. What are your thoughts on this passage? Um, I mean, I I think that it's. Uh, I mean, my first thought is that um, you know, he identifies himself as just a shepherd. Yeah. Um, which I think is. Uh, I mean, I, like no no word in the Bible is is like a throwaway word. No word is is you know totally. It, it was without significance, and I I think it's interesting that he's a shepherd, and um, and that when he's speaking. So that you know, Jeroboam and and King Jeroboam and and uh, Uzziah are both long term kings, and they're both kings in times of great um, abundance for both mm-hmm. kingdoms, right? The, he's speaking in a time when 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 things are going seemingly very well, and the people you would imagine in Israel and in Judah are also like, hey, like life is good, God is blessing us, this is great, everything yeah. is going very well, and then he rises up this shepherd to deliver this message that is not, um, not that is not one of encouragement to the people, but saying yeah. actually this, 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 this abundance is not, is not of God. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I think the other interesting thing is mentioning Uzziah. I mean, he, you know, uh, uh, um, Isaiah six, you know, Isaiah says in the year King Uzziah died mm-hmm. so that he's, we're, we're, we're in that same kind of period. And of course, Isaiah being, 
you know, also one who a prophet who calls the people to account. But mm-hmm. to me, it thinks like you, you've got a man of the people, a man likely coming. I mean, I don't know the, his, his, you know, socioeconomic status, but he clearly is not a, a, a court person as what Isaiah was coming from the bottom, mm-hmm. speaking the word of the Lord to the powerful into the society. And I think that was, um, I think that's the first thing I think is that what a, like, I don't know if you would have, if it would have been countercultural in the day, but how tough it must have been to hear. And it sort of reminds me, you mentioned, you know, the minor prophets mm-hmm. um, in the context of how tough it is to hear sometimes in the modern church and sort of the calls of justice. It reminds me very much of James in James 5. Um, I think it's James 5 or 6 where James starts talking to the rich about exploiting the poor. Mm-hmm. And I think that Amos has a similar message for the people, which is, yeah, you've got abundance, but you don't have abundance because God's given it to you. You've had it because you've exploited other people. Absolutely. Um, and I think that the fact that he then follows that by saying, you know, this is this is the, the word of the Lord. This is what God is saying to you. Makes it clear that I'm not just some guy who's interested in, I have a social cause, but mm-hmm. God is saying you're treating your, your fellow man, mm-hmm. uh, which I think lays a great foundation for what you're about to hear in the book to the modern Christian. Mm-hmm. This is not contextual to like a certain time and place. He's telling you yesterday, today, and forever, this is how you're supposed to treat people. And I think that that's really, really... Um, really important to take that to heart in today's church when especially we sort of like I think the minor prophets sometimes get pushed to the side Yeah, uh, people don't spend as much time in them yeah you know I don't whoever uh, I kind of have a bone to pick with whoever came along and coined the terms major prophets and minor prophets <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it should have just been short prophets and long prophets because yeah. <laughs> it creates this like tier system that I think would have been totally strange to the biblical authors and the mm-hmm. people putting the canon together uh, because it creates the system of like the important prophets and the non-important prophets. Um, but yeah. And then in the minor prophets, quote unquote, we have, you know, like Jonah, Amos, Daniel, mm-hmm. like these books that are actually kind of paramount uh, even to the ministry of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's a, a little bit of a side note, but I love that you kind of set up the context of prosperity in both kingdoms. So, and I do think like a, Important little note, uh, if you're not super familiar with the history of Israel and Judah, at this point in time, the the kingdom of Israel has split. The mm-hmm. 12 tribes have split 10 and 2. Uh, so the, the 10 tribes of Israel and the two tribes of Judah, um, or 10 tribes create the kingdom of Israel, two cri- tribes create the kingdom of Judah. And so in Uzziah, this is kind of an interesting thing. Uzziah was generally a good king. Uh, he he generally sought the Lord, and the Lord really prospered him. But towards the end of his kingship, he he began to grow arrogant and to grow uh, this sense of un- unauthorized access to the holiness of God. So he actually goes in and basically forces himself forces his way past these priests who are trying to stop him to offer unauthorized incense Mm -hmm. and uh it's this really epic kind of indiana jones type bible moment where it says that as he's authorizing it leprosy breaks out on his hand and he actually spends the rest of his days as a leper and then dies and so basically he he leads a pretty god-honoring good a kingship, mm-hmm. which is then, you know, leads to this final demise under his own pride uh, because he's lost sight of the holiness of God. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is kind of a broader parable 
for a type of God's people who generally walk in the ways of God and yet grow prideful and lose a sense of God's holiness and justice. And then Jeroboam is kind of the opposite side of the aisle. So there's two Jeroboams. Uh, The first Jeroboam who's king is actually the Jeroboam where idolatry is introduced in Israel. And then uh, Jeroboam II, which is kind of what he's called in 2 Kings, uh, but he's like eight kings down the line. He is evil in the eyes of the Lord is what second Kings tells us. He's just a wicked King. You know, all these horrible pagan rituals uh, that would make our stomachs churn. That's the sort of stuff that he has like flourishing under his kingdom. And so we have the seemingly righteous and yet not understanding the true holiness and justice of God. And then we have the completely blind to the, holiness and justice of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the two kings that are mentioned here at the beginning. And Amos, his name literally means burden. And I think that that's going to be an interesting little tie in Hebrew names are very important. Mm-hmm. And so he, he's going to be bring this burden of conviction. He He's actually from the kingdom of Judah as a shepherd. And as we find out later in the book, uh, a fig dresser. So he, he's kind of like a farmhand is what it seems to be the textual clues. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily this like high and mighty figure from the kingdom of Judah, but God has raised up uh, prophets in Israel. They've ignored him. So now, now God is bringing in an outsider, a poor outsider to speak with massive authority into, uh, you know, their context. And uh, Matthew Henry he he has i was reading his commentary on this and he has an interesting note about this the lord roars from zion i think it's easy to like pass over that and be like oh that means that god is mad but i think it's a very evocative image for these palestinian you know ancient readers where a lion would roar before it strikes Mm -hmm. that's that's kind of like the image that's being evoked that a lion roars and then strikes and so uh, Amos is speaking to a kingdom uh, in prosperity and saying, the Lord is about to strike you. He's about to strike actually many, many kingdoms for marginalizing and oppressing and denying justice. And so that is the kind of the weight. But I, I did want to read, there's this Matthew Henry quote. Um, he says that, he's kind of speaking of the minor or just the prophets in general who bring these messages. He says, these prophets having opened the wound in their reproofs and threatenings, which show all wrong and the promises of gospel grace open the remedy, Mm. which alone will set all to rights. And so there's going to be an opening of a wound through some heavy language. And then there's going to be a remedy that's offered. That's not going to be, of the people of Israel. It's actually going to be from God. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of the overall map. But did you have any other thoughts on this kind of opening to Amos? I mean, I do think that my my one thought is we're kind of talking about contextually is um, we're talking about prosperity in two kingdoms and Mm -hmm. we live in a land of great prosperity. Mm -hmm. And I think we are sometimes prone to the same error Mm -hmm. where we think, well, everything's going great. This must be the blessing of God. Yeah, and it's very easy to to confuse 
simply uh, physical wealth or you know success with something that's coming from God, whereas he may have allowed it, but it's not something that that he's sending your way. And I think that this is actually a uh, an extremely fresh word uh, for the Western church, totally. a church that lives in prosperity, to totally. listen to, to realize that maybe what you assumed is the case is not actually the case. And I think that's, as as we go through this book, it's important to keep that in mind. You live in a place of great prosperity. Yeah. And and this 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 word is just as relevant today as it was then. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, I think that's a great thing to close on. That's something that I think a lot about with Christ's covenant, because obviously we are a prosperous church. You know, we, we don't have a lot of financial burdens that a lot of churches bear. Um, and our membership has grown year over year. Our groups have grown year over year. Like it's, it's kind of like this fun season where the Lord or where we, we're facing, you know, success in these different endeavors. But I think the metric that is super important to remember is that numbers don't constitute God's hand of prosperity upon you. It could, but it also could not. Mm -hmm. The, the real measure of Holy spirit prosperity in a church is, you know, is the gospel going out? Are, are believers being discipled and are non-believers hearing the gospel and repenting? Yeah. Those are the two metrics and it can't be one at the expense of the other Yeah, because it can't be an echo chamber of a bunch of mature Christian nerds who are not engaging with the world. But it also can't be a place where only people are hearing the gospel for the first time, but people who are already saved are not being called up to higher standards. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and that kind of comes back to this place of we have to have a right understanding of God's holiness and justice and, and how that's displayed in the gospel. And that will actually be a sign of God's prosperity, mm -hmm. not just our budget is bigger this year. Yeah. So, and that applies to our personal lives and everything else. So glad you said that, but there's going to be a lot of fun stuff, a lot of gruesome epicness <laughs> and uh, just a lot of good times in the book of Amos ahead. So um, for Greg Conley, this is Will Carlisle and you better believe that we will see you tomorrow on our daily rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.